With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. This is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs each Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help your challenging child and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach at home. If you have a question or comment, call 347-994-2981. That's 347-994-2981. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about your challenging child and what we can do to make things better. Hey there. Welcome to today's program. Um, These are your 45 minutes. Now, I should say every week these are your 45 minutes, but we had a little bit of a technical difficulty last week, and these were not your 45 minutes or my 45 minutes, but um, we've got some things squared away here, so we're back. Um, Back talking about your challenging child, why he's challenging, what makes him or her different from your other kids, if you have other kids or from the other kids at school, how to best understand what's going on. Based on that understanding, how to best go about helping your child not be so challenging. It's a scary world out there for parents of challenging kids, and I must say I'm not sure that the mental health profession has made it less scary. We've decided that the best way to, well, we, but not not inclusive of me, we've decided that the best way to understand challenging kids is by diagnosing them, by categorizing them, and Let there be no doubt there are some advantages to having your kid be diagnosed. But a diagnosis is actually not a tremendous advantage if you want to have a really clear understanding of what's going on with your kid, what's getting in his way. A diagnosis can help you feel that your feelings about your kid, your premonition that something was different, were correct. That's a good thing. Diagnosis can help your kid qualify for services. That's good thing if the services are what your kid needs. A diagnosis can help you learn more about other kids who've had the same diagnosis. Don't worry, this show is not about diagnoses. It's about, well, it's about the questions that people have been sending in. Um, It's also about how scary it is out there for parents of challenging kids. So these are your 45 minutes to maybe be a little less scared. I think diagnoses, which I know like the back of my hand, but I I find that 
they're scary because a lot of folks don't know diagnoses like the back of their hand. And if you've got a challenging kid and you're new to diagnoses, hooey. Um, I got a lot of training to know diagnoses like the back of my hand. Knowing diagnoses like the back of your hand helps you both uh, know what they are and what they aren't, what they help with and what they don't help with. I don't think diagnoses help us understand challenging kids very well at all, and I think understanding challenging kids is the key to helping them. If you're familiar at all with the collaborative problem-solving approach, you know that challenging behavior is viewed through the collaborative problem-solving lenses as the byproduct of lagging skills. And those lagging skills are especially problematic when they are being demanded from the environment. That's what sets in motion challenging behavior. Lagging skills plus demands for those skills. You can learn all about the lagging skills, the skills that challenging kids are lacking on the Lives in the Balance website. That's www.livesinthebalance.org. What's it called when, what are those specific conditions in which lagging skills are being demanded? Those are called unsolved problems. Challenging behavior is the byproduct of lagging skills, demand for those skills, in other words, unsolved problems. And the goal of intervention is now crystal clear. Solve the problems. In solving the problems, you're teaching the skills. How are you doing that? That's one of the questions I wanted to answer that day. That one came through um, this week. By the way, if you've submitted a question lately, like in the last week or two, you have to forgive me. I'm usually relatively fast at answering the questions that people submit on the Lives in the Balance website, but in the last two weeks I have been slowed considerably. I'm uh, participating in an upcoming trial here in Boston, a very tragic trial, and it has been consuming tremendous amounts of my time lately. But I promise to answer all of the emails people have sent me personally, the second I have a chance. One of the ones I've received lately asked me, could you please clarify for me again how solving problems collaboratively teaches kids the skills that they're lacking? Well, I'll give you a specific example in a minute, but conceptually here, if an unsolved problem, a problem that you're trying to solve collaboratively, is the byproduct of lagging skills and demands for those skills, then conceptually here still, you're working on the lagging skill while you're working on the unsolved problem because the unsolved problem was given rise to by the lagging skill. Let me be more specific. Let's say a kid is having difficulty... Um, coming in from recess and settling down for English. Now, the lagging skill there is difficulty making transitions. The specific unsolved problem is coming in from recess and settling down for English. So that's the problem we would try to solve collaboratively. And, of course, if we're doing collaborative problem solving, plan B, then we are applying the three ingredients of plan B. Number one, getting the kid's concern or perspective on the table fully understanding 
his perspective or concern about what's getting in his way as it relates to settling down after coming in from recess. Then we're getting our concern on the table on the same unsolved problem, the adult concern. And then the third ingredient is we're brainstorming solutions so as to come up with one that's realistic, meaning both parties can actually do what they've agreed to, and mutually satisfactory, meaning the solution truly addresses the concerns of both parties that were put on the table in the first two ingredients of Plan B. If we're solving the coming in from recess and settling down for English problem, aren't we simultaneously working, at least in one small way, on difficulty making transitions in general? Now, have we have we taught the making transitions skill completely by working on that one unsolved problem? Of course not. But are we working on a lagging skill while we're simultaneously working on that unsolved problem? Yes, it's the lagging skill that gave rise to that unsolved problem. Of course, difficulty making transitions wouldn't be a problem if the world wasn't demanding transitions. Difficulty making transitions is especially a problem when the world is demanding that we make transitions. We do have a caller. I promise to get to you in a second. I promise. Um, why is it a scary world for parents of challenging kids? Because diagnoses are scary. And we don't understand them all that well unless you've been trained to know diagnoses like the back of your hand. And... A lot of folks feel like a diagnosis is not something they know what to do about. Collaborative problem solving makes challenging behavior less scary by helping us understand that challenging behavior is the byproduct of lagging skills, demands for those skills, in other words, unsolved problems. If we've got that part down pat, while our child's behavior may still be scary, at least... We're not still scared that we don't understand what it is. Then we got a few things to get good at. Well, first of all, if if one of the things that's getting in your child's way is something that medication would help address, we might want to contemplate that intervention option. And that's hard and sometimes scary. So you're not out of the scary woods yet. But we got to get good at plan B those three ingredients that are really hard but not impossible for people to get good at. So maybe these 45 minutes, now 35 left, will help you be a little less scared. So if you're working with a kid who's not responding very well to Plan B or running into trouble using Plan B yourself, Hopefully this program will help you at the very least not be so scared and at the very most help you get good at what's not working. If you're running into trouble getting the folks at school to use collaborative problem solving, having difficulty getting other adult caregivers to buy into the model, these are your 45 minutes. Call in if you feel like it. Comment if you want to. Ask questions if you have any. Get the support you need. Or just listen to what's going on with others who are using the collaborative problem-solving approach or 
struggling with or succeeding with a challenging kid. So we do have a caller. I'm going to get to you in just a second. I want to give everybody else the call-in number. It's 347-994-2981, 347-994-2981. And if you're not the type to call in but do have a question, send me a question during the program electronically, and I'll answer it on the program through the contact form on the Lives in the Balance website. That's www, once again, livesinthebalance.org. If you send me a question except for the last two weeks when I've had no time to do much of anything. If you send me a question when it's not the live program, then I'll answer it during the week. Before I get to the questions, we uh, callers always take priority on this program, always, and we have one. So before I get to the questions that people have asked during the last two weeks, some of them, Let's bring our caller on the air, and this is a caller I don't think I know, and therefore I have absolutely no idea what our caller is going to be talking about, but you're on the air. How are you today? Uh, fine, thank you. Can you hear me? I can. Um, I, I, I know your book very well. Um, my son, who is 14, his challenging behaviors all occur in non-structured time. So when you just described the child who has difficulty coming in and sitting down at English, mm-hmm. my son's issues are almost all the opposite. Monday through Friday, he's a dream child. His rigidity and inflexibility work to his advantage. He's rigid about getting his homework done. He's rigid about studying for quizzes. It works. But on the weekend, can I get him to go with the family to lunch? No. Can I get him to even do things with the family that are fun? No. And I don't quite understand why that is. Is that a transition issue, or is it something else? Here's the good news. Neither you nor I are on the hook for figuring that out on our own. Uh, The good news is, I, I don't know your son. I don't have the slightest idea why he's not doing things with the family. I am delighted that the school week is going well for him. And just as a slight digression, a lot of folks hear that the kid is doing well in one environment and not in another and say, well, you see, he does well when he wants to and not when he doesn't want to. This is all about him not wanting to. We've got to make him want to. We just haven't found the right motivator yet. You've got the line of thinking. And, um, geez, that's not it at all. It's that Interestingly enough, some of the patterns that might be advantageous to him in one environment are disadvantageous to him in another. You're exactly right. I mean, it's it's because he knows he has English at a certain time on a Tuesday. He doesn't know that at Saturday at 11, I'm going to say, let's go to lunch, and he can't be flexible enough to handle that. Well, now here's in my never-ending quest not to be a genius. Right. I'm, I'm kind of allergic to ingenuity. I love that you have some insight about your son, and I am ecstatic that you have a hypothesis about what's getting in his way. But, as you may know from reading one of the books, which one did you read? Explosive Child. Good. Um, uh, one, uh, I, I'm not content that I understand what's getting in the way for a challenging kid. Unless, until I've drilled for information in the empathy step of Plan B. Okay. And here's why I'm allergic 
to being a genius. And I, I think I've, I've tried to get this out of my system. I love having hypotheses, and I think you have an excellent hypothesis for what might be getting in your son's way. Um, he loves predictability, and family activities are, at least in the moment, at the moment, in the way they're presently configured in your household, unpredictable. So that would be a great example of a lagging skill and a demand for that skill, setting the stage, creating an unsolved problem. Yes? Yes. But I don't know that to be sure. And the reason I'm allergic to being a genius is because I have found so often that our hypotheses, which are wonderful, sometimes lead us astray. Sometimes they're not true. Here's here's some more good news. You, um, the difficulty you're having with your son, he does great during the school week and not so well during the weekend. And your hypothesis that one is more structured than the other puts you in 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 good company with lots of other parents who have the exact same unsolved problem and perhaps even a very similar hypothesis. And I love your hypothesis because it's a lagging skill hypothesis. I just want to make sure you're right. I want to be open to other possibilities that may be coming into play. So let me let's let me put you on the spot if you don't mind. I don't think this is really putting you on the spot. No, I don't care. What besides the fact that weekends are unpredictable and weekdays are predictable, and that the unpredictability presents demands upon your kid that he's having trouble responding to adaptively. Any other hypotheses for what might be getting in the way for, of him doing things with the family over the weekend? Um, I've, I've always thought my son wakes up in the morning with a calendar in his head. He's already decided what he's doing between 10 and 11, 11 or 12. High, high organization skills. And then I come in and say, but you know what, we'd like to do this. Well, you didn't tell me. So I've done the whole bit about, well, giving him advance notice. That does well, not- now here's the interesting thing about advance notice. <laughs> here's the interesting thing. I, I love advance notice when it's working. But when advance notice isn't working, right. it usually lets us know that it... Uh, well, it lets us know that it's not working. And that means one of two things. It means that um, we don't understand the problem as well as we might have thought. Advanced notice solves one problem, the problem of I need advanced notice. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't solve a whole bunch of other problems that have nothing to do with needing advanced notice. And the other thing about advanced notice is that, and I don't know how you've implemented the advanced notice intervention, but I find that if solutions aren't agreed upon collaboratively, they often don't fly that way as well. So I know that in many of the advice books, um, it says to give advanced notice. Right. I I tend to have the most faith in solutions in which the concerns of both parties are really well understood and the solution is agreed upon collaboratively, then now, now you got me really interested. Then if that solution doesn't work, then there's either something about his concern that went undiscovered in the empathy step, 
Or there's something about the solution that wasn't as realistic or mutually satisfactory as we thought it was. But I think it's important to recognize that advance warning only solves the I need advance warning problem. And I'm betting that the reason it's not working is that there's more to this problem than that he needs advance warning. And the, I mean, it's easy for me to say in hindsight, the advanced warning solution isn't working too well. Okay, so you know what you know what I'm hearing from you? I never really did get a solution. I posted my own solutions, and just because he wanted me to stop talking, he probably agreed to something he didn't really want to agree to. Maybe. The other possibility is um, many times we go into um, the empathy step and skip it because we already had a preordained solution in mind. Yep. And um, that's what um, advanced notice frequently means. We've, on the basis of you know a very well-intentioned advice book, um, done some advanced notice, but we're still not crystal. And this is very commonplace. By the way, I hope you're not feeling like um, you're being criticized here. No, you're, no, you're giving me suggestions to improve. Well, you're giving us, you're giving me a nice template on which to make some very important points about how we often go awry when we're trying to solve problems for our, with our, for our kids. When in fact, I find we're in a lot better shape if we're trying to solve problems with our kids, yep. including finding out what's getting in the kids' way in the first place. Uh, let me let me just push it a little bit further. We do have another caller, but I'm not sure if the other caller. Apparently there's a mechanism, you know, since I've never called into the show myself, there's a mechanism for raising your hand if you want to if you want to join in the program, yes? Is that pretty crystal clear when you called in? Yeah, you hit the number one. So hit the number one caller from area code 973 if you want to join in. If you don't, you can keep listening the way you're listening, but just curious about whether you want to be brought in the air or not. Um, my recommendation is that you go back to the empathy step. Okay. But let me push you just a little further, not not at the not to encourage ingenuity, but any other ideas for what might be? You just mentioned one, which is that your son wakes up with a schedule in his head, and um, because you've described him as a pretty rigid, concrete, black and white thinker. Yes. yes. Any surprises? By the way, concrete, literal, black and white thinkers sometimes have a lot of trouble with surprises. Right. Um, his rigid schedule and your ideas about the way the weekend is about to unfold may be not so compatible with each other. There's an unsolved problem. Right, absolutely. Uh, that's something that you guys could collaborate on in Plan B. But let me just push it a little bit more. Any other things that you think might be getting in his way as it relates to doing things with the family? Um. You know, I've wondered, you know, I've certainly wondered, am I just giving him too much TV computer time? And if I took took that away, but, I, you know, that's a whole different situation. You know, he, he's, a, he's a very shy, introverted child, so I certainly understand he needs a lot of downtime himself. Um, but I, I don't know, if, if I'm to ask him, he will say, the idea of going out to lunch is not a fun idea. It's a fun idea for me, but it's not a fun idea for him. You guys got a lot of talking to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You've got a lot of information to gather. 
you've got some great hypotheses. Now you've got me really curious about which ones are going to be borne out when you're drilling for information in the empathy step. Now, depending on what, well, truth is, depending on what variant, which uh, edition of The Explosive Child you've read, the term drilling for information may not even be that familiar to you. Is it? I thought I'd read the most recent edition. So, yes, I know what you're doing. In the empathy step, you're trying to drill for information so that you understand your son's concern or perspective on a specific unsolved problem. In this case, the empathy step would begin like this. I've noticed, if you feel like it, my wording is not always the wording people use, and that's fine. I've noticed that on weekends, um, you're not always that crazy about doing stuff with us. What's up? You've just brought a very specific unsolved problem into the mix, and you're seeing if you can gather information on that. And as you may have read or heard me say before, one of four things is about to happen. He's going to say something, or he's going to say nothing, or he's going to say, I don't know, or he's going to respond defensively. I don't know your son. Which of those four do you think is likely? Nothing or defensive. No kidding. So we might need to reassure him if we get nothing, or if we get defensive, we're going to want to reassure him um, that we're, all we want is to understand better. We're not going to tell him what to do. We're not mad at him. He's not in trouble. Um, we might even say, if it's true, that our feelings are not hurt. We just want to understand. If he says nothing, um, we'll want to give him some time and tell him uh, we're not in a rush. Once again, we just want to understand. We've Feel free to give it some thought. If this is tr truth is, we might want to plan this conversation with him, so that he's not surprised. Sounds like he's not a big fan of surprises in the first place. So that he's not surprised by us raising the topic in the first place. We certainly want to do this proactively, not emergently. That that goes without saying. But the worst possible moment to do this at would be as you're telling him that. You'd like to do something with him at 11 o'clock, and he's already got an idea in his head about what's happening at 11 o'clock. That, that's emergency plan B. We want to do this proactively. If he starts talking, then we've got to drill for information so that we understand uh, his concern or perspective on this unsolved problem as well as we possibly can, often by focusing on the who, the what, the where, and the when, and to tell you the truth, this one sounds like it could be who. Who could mean, and I don't know your son at all, I'm just referring here to other 14-year-olds that I've worked with, not making any assumptions about yours, who he'd rather be with on the weekend than his family. There are some 14-year-olds who would rather be with somebody else than their family on the weekend. I don't know yours. There are, that could be when. There Maybe he's got an idea about when we're going to do family stuff, and it's just that his idea is incongruent with your idea of when. What what was his idea of what the schedule would be? And uh, what was yours? There's the problem to be solved. We're drilling for information so that we really understand his concern or perspective as well as possible. And we're doing that way before we start thinking about solutions because the next ingredient is actually for you to get your concern on the table. I bet you've got some reasons that you'd like to be doing things together with your son over the weekend. Those would be entered into consideration in the define the problem step. And then, then you're ready to brainstorm solutions. 
but not a moment before then. Okay, okay. What do you think? Um, I'll give it a shot because I probably haven't done it as extensively as you just described it. And the reason that I describe it as extensively as I do is because I've learned over time what interferes with people doing Plan B successfully. My mission these days is to hear as little of this isn't working as possible. And so I spend a good part of my time thinking about how Plan B isn't working for people and where it's going wrong for folks. And we've covered quite a bit of territory just with your one call, not that you were doing everything wrong, but um, we don't want to talk about solutions until we understand the concerns of both parties as well as we possibly can. That we don't want to do. We don't want to let our hypotheses turn into conclusions about what's getting in the kid's way. We, at the very least, want to confirm them and be open to the possibility that there's a whole bunch of other stuff getting in the way that we haven't hypothesized and don't know anything about. I'm thinking that if you go back and do Plan B with your son with a primary focus on the empathy step, at the very least you're going to get more information. And at most, in this one Plan B, and it doesn't always go this way, you might even get a jump start on getting this problem solved. Okay. Thank you very, very much. Do feel free to call back in and let us know what happens. We love continuity on this program, so we're always eager to hear about what happens when I send people back to do something a little bit more or a little bit differently in Plan B. Thank you so much for calling. Thank you. This show is always best when people call in. Um, Actually, not in love with the sound of my own voice. Sometimes I have to fall in love with the sound of my own voice during the program if no one calls in, but... um, I want to. I don't know if we have another caller or not. We have somebody who's listening from area code nine seven three, but I don't know if that person wants to actually um, ask a question. So, uh, area code nine seven three, if you want to participate, I think you need to press the number one, um, and then I'll bring you on the air. In the meantime, I'm going to answer a question that I received in the email box fairly recently. I have no idea what to do next with my son. He's 10 years old and he's out of control. He yells, is rude, runs away, is violent towards his mom and other kids. All right, now we know what he does on the spectrum of looking bad, but we don't know anything else about him yet. We know that his mother, if that's who wrote this, might be scared and at the very least at a loss, because she's saying, I have no idea what to do next with my son. We have days of great behavior and fun times, and it's like a switch. He's had lots of therapy, but he just tells them what he wants to hear, what they want to hear. We've also been told that he has intermittent explosive disorder. Sounds pretty scary. Um... I don't know if we want to take that one too seriously. Why don't we just say that he's delayed in the development of some crucial cognitive skills, flexibility, adaptability, frustration tolerance, problem solving, and a bunch of home, a bunch of more specific ones that you can find listed on the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems that you can find in the paperwork section of the Lives in the Balance website. 
intermittent explosive disorder, scary. Difficulty handling frustration, solving problems, and being flexible and adaptable, less scary. And because we've been told that we have days of great behavior and fun times and then it's like a switch, we know what that intermittent part means. It means he's not he's not difficult every second of every waking hour. When's he difficult? When the demands being placed upon him exceed the skills that he has to respond adaptively. His dad and I are at a loss for what to do. I completely understand why. That's not me being critical, and by no means is that me being sarcastic. It's me saying I think that intermittent explosive disorder isn't going to take us very far as it relates to understanding why your son is intermittently frustrated, having difficulty solving problems and inflexible, and isn't going to give us any idea of what to do next. We have tried many discipline plans. They work for a couple of weeks and then stop. Many, many, many parents can relate to that sentence. The only time I know that he will behave is if he's working for something that he really wants. But life does not work that way. We cannot keep that up all the time. Well, that's that's exactly why I... Um, quite some time ago, um, became a little less enthusiastic about rewards and less enthusiastic about punishment as well because I found that the kids satiated on the rewards, that we couldn't keep coming up with stuff. And I also find that there are lots of challenging kids. This isn't true of some of them, but it's true of many of them. Can hold it together in pursuit of an anticipated reward or an avoidance of an anticipated punishment, but simply can't maintain that forever because their lagging skills and unsolved problems eventually still burst through. We are going to be bringing a new baby into the house soon, and I am very worried that it will hurt the new baby. All right. Um, That's the end of the email. And the beginning of uh, let's get the collaborative problem-solving show on the road. What my answer to that, Mom, and um, anybody else who can resonate to her predicament. Get on the Lives in the Balance website. Um, and the, the website is organized in order. Um, there's the section about collaborative problem-solving that has streaming video of me in it describing who challenging kids are, and a little bit about collaborative problem solving. There's the Plan B in Action section in which you can watch video of what Plan B is supposed to look like. Before we get there, uh, after you watch the video of me, you want to go to the Paperwork section of the Lives in the Balance website, download the Assessment of Lagging Skills and Unsolved Problems, and figure it out, uh, excuse me, fill it out, and get to know your child through the prism of lagging skills. That's going to be our substitute for the diagnosis of intermittent explosive disorder. Intermittent explosive disorder tells us practically nothing, except that a kid is intermittently looking bad. Once again, 
When is he intermittently looking bad when the demands being placed upon him exceed the skills that he has to respond adaptively? In other words, in response to one or more of the unsolved problems in the pile of unsolved problems that we are going to document in the second part of the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. The top part of the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems helps us get to know your son through the prism of lagging skills and unsolved problems. The unsolved problems section helps you pinpoint exactly what problems need to be solved so that you can start reducing your child's challenging behavior and teaching him the skills that he's lacking. It's going to take a while. People have told me they've spent hours on the Lives in the Balance website and still haven't exhausted the possibilities. Good. There's more stuff coming. Um, a new um, real world will be posted today on the topic of bullying. Um, and once again, I usually try to get those up there once a month, but uh, then life takes over, and it's been longer than a month. I apologize. But that Lives in the Balance website was created to provide a free resource for people wanting to learn more about collaborative problem solving. And boy, do I empathize with that mom. As I've said on this program before, nothing scares me like having one of my two kids be physically ill and me not knowing what's going on. My wife is a lot more, is a lot calmer about those things than I am. I always think the worst until I hear from the doctor, yep, this is going around. Then I'm good to go. Intermittent, intermittent, ooh, intermittent explosive disorder sounds awfully scary until you really know what's going on. Lagging skills demands for those skills unsolved problems. Get to know your kid through the prism of lagging skills. Identify the specific unsolved problems that are reliably and predictably setting in motion challenging behavior. Get good at plan B. And I don't think we're going to be calling your kid intermittent explosive disorder for much longer. I'm noticing that our caller from area code 973 did indeed want to participate in the program, and so I'm going to bring that caller on the air right now, I think. I just want to let you know that we've just recently been turned on to your book um, and it, you know, have just started implementing Plan B. Um, so we haven't had a lot of experience in a couple weeks, but um, we just wanted to say thanks because... Um, you know, we've been trying to figure out how to deal with him as the years have progressed. He just turned 15. Ah. And so, um, and I pr just printed out the lag and skills um, worksheet yesterday, as a matter of fact, and kind of checked off some things for him. Good. But it's interesting. I do have one question that maybe you can help with. Like at school, he's pretty, um, um, what's the word? controlled, right? Okay. But, and I pick him up after school, I can read his body language, so I anticipate whether there's going to be an explosion as soon as he gets in the car or not. Um, in our home, you know, his grandparents live in Chicago, and his um, birth father, who we have a good relationship with and we all co-parent together, and he lives here in New Jersey with me and his stepfather. Just be careful not to, no more identifying information than that. We, we try oh, to okay. keep it as anonymous as possible here. 
Yeah, okay. But keep going, yep. But it's only in our home that he's he's very explosive. So I don't know if he thinks that's a safe haven. Have you encountered this before? That, that's a common explanation, the safe haven explanation. I um, think that that's plausible. Um, I also know that most of us behave worse in our homes than we do outside of our homes. So I don't know if all of us think of home as a safe haven, but maybe he does. I do tend to think that what it may not be safe haven so much as it's the embarrassment factor. Some challenging kids, no, by no means all, some challenging kids are able to hold it together in situations in which not holding it together would be very embarrassing to them. School, in front of certain people, they're able to hold it together. That doesn't mean they have skills in one environment that they're not exhibiting in another. It means that they, like some challenging kids, are able to hold it together under some conditions and not others. The problem is they can't maintain that 24 hours a day. But you've raised another very interesting point. Are you still there? Oh, yes. Good, I heard a click. Uh, you raised another very interesting point, and that is that, and this is why I don't refer to the unsolved problems as triggers anymore. Triggers, once again, suggest that the event that set the challenging behavior in motion is immediately proximal to the challenging behavior itself. And there are many kids whose unsolved problems occur at school, but the embarrassment factor isn't letting the school in on the fact that there are unsolved problems at school. And then the kid leaves school. The embarrassment factor is no longer operating. The kid gets into the car. And as you said, you see his body language. You know what kind of a day it's been. And you're the one who gets the challenging behavior. Um, so, as you've been reading, we need to figure out what your son's unsolved problems are so that we can start solving them. And, and how, do, how do we go about that, though? Well, yeah. if you haven't made your way all the way through, I, I take it you've been reading The Explosive Child? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm actually going back through to write some more stuff down. But, you know, I mean, I'm trying Plan B, and it seems to work when I am being proactive and can anticipate. But when we're in the situation, you know, it all kind of... I, I have a problem... You know, I revert exactly back to plan A after a few yeah. minutes because he drives me crazy. Exactly. And you'll uh, that's a hard habit to break, which is why what you want to do is, is really organize the effort so that you know what unsolved problems you really want to be working on because emergency, emergent intervention isn't going to be ideal under any circumstances. You want to be proactive about this. But here, here's what sometimes happens. Now that you've read The Explosive Child and you've, you're enthusiastic about trying this model, um, often there's this rush of enthusiasm and optimism in the hopes that this will mm, fix things relatively quickly. And the reality is things aren't going to fix that quickly. They're going to get fixed one problem at a time, which means that early on in your use of the model, you're going to be feeling good about things when you're doing proactive plan B on the unsolved problems you're working on. But number one, you can't work on everything all at once. Some things are going to end up in plan C just to make sure that everybody's available to work on the problems that remain. 
But number two, if you have an unsolved problem that you haven't worked on proactively with Plan B, then there's going to be the temptation to work on it emergently with Plan B. And um, that's, that's not usually your best play, especially if you yourself are just becoming accustomed to Plan B. So your best friend here is proactive Plan B, and you're going to muddle through those bad moments, the emergency moments, um, what the emergency moments mostly tell you about is that there are still problems that need to be solved proactively, and um, they're going to go onto the list. And this is going to be things will get better in your household incrementally and progressively, and both you and your son will get better at Plan B over time incrementally and progressively. Two weeks is just a taste of collaborative problem solving. Um, you've got a long way to go. And unfortunately, this program always, and I do want to thank you for calling in, this program always ends right at the moments that I wish it wouldn't. Um, but I hope those of you who are either listening live or um, called in today or are listening to the recorded version of the program, uh, hope you find it helpful, and I hope you'll join in next week for our uh, next rendition of Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. Uh, I wish the best to our mom who's been at this for two weeks. As I said in my program for educators yesterday, the key word in implementing collaborative problem solving, continuity. There are going to be ups and downs. There are going to be hurdles along the way. You're going to get there eventually. Talk to you next week. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.